Hello? Is it too loud? Maybe it's just been too long. Yeah. Maybe this is how it's always sounded. <laughs> well, I, I had to redo everything because obviously the girls were playing and stuff. And mm. Girls. Yeah. Gee, you need a bigger cup? <laughs> well, I didn't have to get up. <laughs> you were up. I mean, during the podcast. If I had a smaller cup, I would drink it all, and then I'd have to get up and refill. Yeah, no, but I'm saying you should have gotten a bigger... The ice is over the top of your cup. Well, that's because it's from one of the bags. So it just is a big chunk of ice. It's a big chunk of ice. Okay. This is what we came back for. Mm. <laughs> Out of hibernation. Yeah. This podcast will never truly die. It'll just go into hibernation for various periods of time. Right. Um, I like that you're facing the playoffs. Yeah, I have to be able to watch the playoffs. Yeah. There's got to be something to keep my interest. Oh, good. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought you'd say. Um, just to get this started, I guess we, we've been off for a few months. Yeah, since the beginning of the lockdown. I have one rant okay. in me that I think I've been storing up for this. And I feel like it kind of addresses everything that's going on today. Okay. So here it goes. <clears throat> Let me get a sip of water. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> I'm a little out of practice. Hopefully, hopefully the, the ranting will come back to me like second nature <laughs> yeah. once I get started. Right. But um, I feel like humans, we haven't changed, uh -huh. right? Like, especially from recorded history on, uh -huh. I would argue pre-recorded history for at least a little bit. Like, I feel like if we could go look at cavemen back then, we would see a caveman like club a cavewoman or whatever and be like, yeah, I, I identify that behavior, uh -huh. you know, and every generation, like somebody's going to invent something, someone's going to be jealous of that, they're going to steal it, or they're going to kill them, someone's going to realize it makes them feel good to have power over other people, you know, somebody's going to just, you know, want to... <laughs> want to hurt other people and then open a business and get very successful. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what's, what's even more depressing is the fact, like I remember growing up and reading like Charles Dickens and you know, Charles Dickens was an asshole. No, he was, mm -hmm. he was a complete asshole. But all his of kids. his, I haven't read any Charles Dickens stories. But here's the thing, you know, a Christmas Carol. Uh, is that the one about like the Scrooge ghost where he becomes a ghost? Don't, don't do this. <laughs> don't try and pretend like you don't know what a Christmas where he becomes carol. a ghost, right? Not that's a Christmas story, a Christmas carol. He doesn't become a ghost, but he gets visited by three ghosts. Oh, okay. Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas and future. And they show him. The only thing you need to know is Scrooge. When I say Scrooge, you know who Scrooge is, right? Scrooge Ebenezer McDuck? Scrooge. 
That's who I think of. Screw what McDuck. button do you push to to <laughs> turn this whole thing off and then end it? Um, Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. <laughs> Where was I? Trying to. Oh, I thought you were going to push another one. No. Trying to get you to admit that you know Ebenezer Scrooge, even if you haven't read any Charles Dickens. Yeah, I think I'm more familiar with like the Mickey Mouse version okay. of it. Okay. Right? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, man. But do, that's do, do the Muppet version. Do you know the sure. Muppet version? I think there I know the go. Mickey Mouse version. <laughs> okay. Where Scrooge McDuck is Scrooge, right? Oliver Twist. No, I'm not familiar with that at all. I've heard the name, of course. Can I have some more, please, okay. sir? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Uh, anyway, you're getting me off track. But what is the moral of the ghosts? He sees his life in the future if he continues to be an asshole. Yeah, and he's buried. No one right. mourns him. Okay, yeah. All right, I got it. That was Dickens. Okay. So here's the thing that we've we've learned about humanity in you know <laughs> the millions of years that we've been evolving yeah and the thousands of years that we've been actually recording our thoughts and our histories that we can articulate things and they don't have to be true we don't have to believe them we can have somebody articulate something so profound about the human experience that it, it lasts like forever. Mm -hmm. A Christmas carol ain't going away anytime soon because it speaks to a universal truth that we want to believe about humanity, right? Which is that inside we are good. We just need to be reminded that we're good, but we're not. Because the man who wrote it was the yeah. main character and he didn't learn anything from it. He could write it. Yeah, uh, I think there's a difference between like not believing it and just not living that way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think it's possible for him to believe the things that he wrote, but to still have just found it easier to just be an asshole. But that's what I'm saying. Belief does not need to affect behavior. Sure. The, yeah, the, I agree the, with that. And and that to me is so profoundly depressing. Mm -hmm. You know, that you can look to somebody to articulate a truth or a value about humanity that will like progress us onward up the track, but it just fl it, it's flatlined. We flatlined. But ultimately, I mean, does it even matter that Charles Dickens is an asshole? Like, if in the long run, these stories have affected so many people for the better to Has live... Has it, though? To live better lives. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't think it has. Here's also what I'm saying. The proof of it is in the fact that, you know, anybody who has anything to say nowadays, the people who... I feel like I turn to for some insight. Yeah. They have to write like proto gibberish, you know, which brings me to Ant Kind by Charlie okay. Kaufman. Mm -hmm. And you have David Foster Wallace having to write infinite 
jest with how many footnotes mm-hmm. and endnotes, right? And you have, uh, who's that guy? You read his book, The Savage Detectives, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And 2666, that was his final book. Yeah, I didn't read that one. You didn't read that one, but you read The Savage Detectives, yeah. which is like hard to follow, right? Uh, no, I didn't think it was hard to follow. It was just boring. I thought it was boring. Boring. That's the other thing. Is then you get people who like either have to write. Uh, I'll even say like Gravity's Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Thomas yeah. Pynchon. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like I remember reading Catch Twenty Two and having my mind blown. Yeah. Right. Because but there's still identifiable stuff in there. And then reading Gravity's Rainbow and having like squint through a few pages and be like, I think I know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I think I know the, those English words. I don't really have any sense yeah. of of really what he's trying to get at, you know. And then and then he'd have a moment of kind of lucidity, yeah. And you know, I'm reading Ant Kind by Charlie Kaufman and loving it, but part of me feels like this like postmodernist evolution of like you know, you can't talk about anything directly anymore because it's all been shown to be so like meaningless mm-hmm. that you can get somebody to articulate a belief that you want to emulate and they themselves don't even have to emulate it or believe it. So what does it matter? You know, it's just the cyclical, you know, replaying out of the same boring psychologies on generation after generation and people trying to convince themselves that we're different this time. Now we figured out flight. Yeah. Therefore, we're different than the cavemen and the, you know, people scrawling, you know, cave paintings on the walls. It's like, I don't think we are. I think I think we're just reiterating the same stories, the same ideas, the same thoughts, and they're having the same like dull impact on our behavior because we realize to say I believe something is truly all that matters. And to actually have to, you know, allow that belief to affect my actions, that's preposterous. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I don't really agree, but I feel like it's a difference of focus. Like I tend to just focus on basically what's inside of this house and that's it. And I feel like yeah. you are looking more, I just don't have that wide of a perspective. But I mean, like, again, you are playing out the same version of, you know, a human life in terms of having a family working <laughs> Yeah. Sleeping and being like, this is my existence. Like, yeah, you're not trying to iterate on any. No, I'm just trying to get through that. You're just trying to, to be get happy. That. That's exactly it. Yeah. You know? And what, what I'm saying is on a bigger picture, I think the problem is, is that people think that they are iterating on, on existence. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you're living the same existence as trillions of people before you who are like, listen, man, just trying to grow some crops yeah. and raise some kids yeah. without being too much of a asshole to them. 
And, uh, you know. Well, yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think to that point, the problem with that is the people who think like that are also the people who are most likely to, like, seek positions of power. The people who are like, I'm just trying to get by? No, 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 no. no, no. The right, pe- right. The other people. The oh, people exactly. who are thinking, like, I'm, I'm a revolutionary. I'm a revolutionary. Exactly. And they're also the same people who are least who are the least revolutionary exactly they're the ones who are playing out the the same basic like blips in the again whatever is the genetic code the psychology of humanity that is just reiterating it it's like you know nero has iterated how many times since then you know and pre-recorded history i'm sure that there's somebody a tyrant caveman who just would bash other cavemen on the head with a rock for no reason and was like inexplainable. Yeah. He just, he just, yeah. But at the same time, like I, I don't want the responsibility and the attention of like being president. I don't want the responsibility and the attention of being Elon Musk. So here's the thing. You know what I mean? What's truly revolutionary now is to say just basic human rights right like what's revolutionary now is for the person who says i'm not special to actually take the lead and be like right therefore what i care about matters most not the people who are in politics saying i have ideas for the betterment of all mankind and i need to be in a position of power to let these ideas forth because they are new or because they are revolutionary. No, they're not. They're not revolutionary. And you are the last person who needs to be in power. Yeah. But, but again, like systems in place set up so that the same people are going to rise to power who have always risen to power. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they are always the people who want to co-op power, always going to reach the top of the power food chain because they always have. Yeah, I agree. And so again, like if words and ideas mattered in any identifiable way in terms of like, I articulate something that makes sense and somebody else says, Hey, that's true. I'm not going to believe it and act in that way. Then I don't think we would need again, like the proto gibberish of like, infinite jest but it's like the people who kind of see the game at play who see this kind of like cycle that just repeats and all the people who are trying to like affect change and be like listen to my podcast we we're going to to talk about some real shit and it's Mm -hmm. going to like and it can change the world they're, you know, they're, they're like, no, you know what will change the world? Read this 9,000-page novel that I wrote that includes, like, a 600-page sleep diary in there and then a really long history of, like, the Babylonian Empire and then this, like, detective story mm-hmm. that goes for 20 pages and then ends in an apocalypse and then, you know, a talking ant who, you know, recounts the thoughts of Foucault the end 
You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that's all that's left. That's all we have that's left is like just just <laughs> throw it all in a blender and print the 700 page, you know, again, proto gibberish. And I will find deeper meaning in that than I will in anybody saying, here's a five-part series talking about like the history of the Democratic Party and mm -hmm. how it rose to power and how we can affect change moving forward in the Democratic beliefs. That, you know what I mean? Like tonight, the Democratic Convention's going on and John Kasich is, is speaking at it. Yeah. Like what? What is the variation there? What? What is the, like? What? What? What's the iteration on like change that's happening tonight from the party that's anti-Trump? Yeah, they're the new Republicans. Now, now you know what you know. It's a hey, Justin. I have a revolutionary idea, mm -hmm. and I'm going to run for Congress on this. I'm going to get famous. I'm going to be the leader of a movement. And it is Trump is crazy, not conservative values. And really what Trump has done is he's moved the right off a cliff. And now we just need to reclaim the values of the right. That's really what he's done. Mm -hmm. And that is now like the revolutionary thought on the right. It's revolutionary to just say the lunatic who's trying to shut down the USPS and, you know, for like who, who openly will just state that he does things for political gain, that the values that got him into power are, are viable. Mm -hmm. Just he's, he's the monster. Yeah. Uh, so have your feelings changed about ant kind? This seems a little, this is, seems a little different than the glowing, uh, please start reading this that no, I've been getting the past couple of weeks. Ant kind has gone nuts and I love it, but it did give me pause to be like, why is it that, you know, Charlie Kaufman has written a novel that's like, again, impacted me in a way that a, a novel hasn't impacted me in a while. And I think about his films, Anomalisa was the last one, and then a film called Synecdoche, New York. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching Synecdoche, New York and being like, this guy's brilliant and I have no idea what's happening. I wish I was smart enough to know what he's talking about. Yeah. And this guy has more stuff potentially figured out or synthesized in some identifiable worldview than I do. And this is what he comes up with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I think that maybe because I'm a Luddite, I value making those ideas a little more clear than just sort of shitting them out on a piece yeah, of paper. But, but, and but that's, that's the thing that I'm saying. If, if humanity was on an upward swing and we were always iterating on ideas that made us better, thoughts and ideas, right? No one wants to live a life like Ebenezer Scrooge. What a horrible way to live. Don't live that way. 
live in a way where you like give out your wealth and sure. you focus on other people. Yet the author of Ebenezer Scrooge lived a life of like Scroogeness. Yeah. Then it's then it's me. It's a it it, it discounts the very idea that it presents, right? Like before that idea even gets out there into the world, it's stillborn, you know, because the guy writing it can't even can't even pretend no, see, that the agree. idea has any agree. value. He's just like, yeah, they they'll like this, you yeah. know, here, crank this out, or be like, you know what, this would be a good way to live. I thought the whole there idea though was that you, what is that term where you have to separate death of the author or something like that? Okay, yeah, but but what but what I'm saying is like. If the idea had any power, then you should be able to see its effect on potentially even the person who wrote it. Yeah, or you look at I like, don't agree with that. You look at every you know system in place, and it's like Me Too exposes all these men as being horrific, like uh, power sure. hungry, uh, you know, misogynistic. And you're like, yeah, they are because they're in a position of power, and they've been raised in this system. And even if they produce whatever art that is like believe women you know and yeah. and value relationships they're still like yeah listen i you know i have been exposing myself to every single woman who has been in a room with me alone for the last 20 years and it's like yeah you know why because your freaking idea it has no value in terms of like tangible impact it's it's something that no see i disagree i i feel like in terms of tangible impact just the sheer fact that we're talking about it now a hundred years later or however long since that old ass story was written that's like proof in and of itself of tangible impact thomas jefferson wrote all men are created equal S <laughs> so and what? then and then we go into a but you, birth but, of a nation. But you're not dis, then discounting the idea that all men are created equal. No, no. But but what I'm saying is, it then set up a system where here we are uh, in, sure. in 2020, sure. fighting over just the basic like reality and impacts of slavery. Yeah, but you're you're swinging a little too far on each side. You, you can't completely discredit the idea just because the original guy was whatever. See, I think this is interesting because I feel like this is the the. I feel like we're now taking the opposite sides of the arguments that we have when it comes out that some uh, uh, artist is a douchebag, right? Like, like you like Woody Allen movies, despite how much of a creep Woody Allen is. Yeah, what, I, what I'll say is I think that we're talking, you're talking about the micro and I'm talking about the macro. Like you're still talking about the individual person. I have been impacted by stories that truly have changed my mind sure. and my behavior about something. So the the idea can still have value, but as a broad changing sweeping idea that then alters the broader force of yeah. culture and humanity, it's dead on arrival. It's I it, disagree. But I mean again it's like how many times have we we reiterated the same problems and issues of behavior and human psychology that just keeps reiterating itself and even the person who can live their life and be like i have spent my life articulating the the, the psychology of mankind 
who then are is like, don't teach my children anything. Let them grow up like animals. I think that's the that's a way to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like we're we're not able to like piece together ideas and concepts to create a holistic picture of humanity that moves us all in one direction. It's like every time we start putting something together, something happens to like disrupt that picture and then we need to like restart it or we just I think the problem is that we just have been been focused for the last again 15,000 years of human history or whatever mm-hmm. on the same like corner of the puzzle of human potential. Sure, yeah. I mean, I would agree that progress is slow. Like glacially slow. But I don't think that means it's non-existent. A lot of gas. I mean, you you usually have it. Tonight is especially um mm-hmm. potent. I don't know. I just, you know, I I got to the point where I was like, here we are at an identifiable kind of future <laughs> headed towards a, a soon to be yeah soon to be unidentifiable future yeah by every metric known to man and this idea that like what would you what would you write of any meaning in even the most mild apocalyptic vision of 50 years from now what would I write? What would you write of value or meaning to that culture? Would you write a story oh, like I'm a not Christmas a writer. Carol? I don't know. No, no, I know, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, would you write like, hey, everybody who's again living in the most mild? But I mean, Dickens wasn't writing to the future; he was writing for his time. No, that's what I'm saying, though. For for the time, right? And for the time is like, hey, everybody, oh, sure, money. Yeah. You you think money is going to bring you happiness? It's bleak. And, and it's and and again he was living in a hyper industrialized reality where like child labor was going on people were dying in factories there there was very little workers rights you know what i mean it was the industries that fueled morality mm-hmm. and not the people who were being ground under the gears of industrialization who you know steered morality that's what he was that was the reality that he was living under, right? And so again, you 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 write that to your day, but he writes the story of an old wealthy man who's visited by three versions of Christmas, who just sees his life played in front of him and comes to a beautiful revelation of humanity and what matters and and has an a life-altering revelation Mm -hmm. that works for then then we come to this reality and now no one's going to like champion the basic story of an old man who gets visited by three versions of christmas sees his life play on front of him and then like has a life-altering revelation what what that story looks like now is this is us right which is like just widely regarded as like just schlock just Mm -hmm. like feel good schlock Mm -hmm. everybody is like going through their stuff but fundamentally everybody's good and everybody is you know matters and all that stuff and and it doesn't 
play in a broad sense. It, it, it is pandering because it's seen as pandering. Mm -hmm. Then you look at the people who have insight, right? Who are writing with insight and you get stuff like Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, where you're like, who's the judge? What's what's happening here? Mm. There's they're coming across bodies, and then this guy is the kid, and th now he's trying to kill the judge. And who the who's the judge? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, because he gets it right. He's writing to his time now, or like Charlie Kaufman, or like I said, like all these, you know, David Foster Wallace, like all these. It's it, you know, Gravity's Rainbow. It's like again, I can't get away from this idea of like it's proto gibberish where it's like what does what does anything mean anymore mm. you know but what does matter is this 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 and this so there's an identifiable morality in it kind there's something that resonates with me but it it can't be the story that resonated before which is pretty just like a to b you think he's you know he thinks he's living a good life he's not mm -hmm. now it's like there's a sentient ant and you know there's a few I can't even describe what's going on in the book. But right I mean, <laughs> isn't um, killing of a sacred deer that? Exactly. It's just a retelling of a what, like a mythology? A what morality is it? play? Yeah, yeah. That's all how it did, is. How did killing of a sacred and deer? It's not gibberish. So, I feel like our conversation about killing of a sacred deer was a little bit like, yeah, I don't really know what happened. Oh, no, I, I, know, I know what, what happened. I, I don't know what, what they represented, like the kid. No, I get the, all that. Adults I didn't. The stuff that I don't get about those things are like the references or the fact that it is based purely on like a Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. I could obviously follow the story and like pick up on some of the symbolism, uh, at least on my first watch through. But I knew enough to like know what was going on, mm -hmm. and I watched a bunch of stuff afterwards and read some things about it. Well, there you go, right? Like, but I wouldn't say it's gibberish. Like David Foster Wallace and Thomas Pynchon, that stuff is like, like if I read The Killing of the Sacred Deer as a book, I could read it from beginning <laughs> to end. I could not read any David Foster Wallace or Thomas Pynchon novel from beginning to end because it is borderline gibberish. But but it, it also like it has a deep morality there. Like sure, gra gravity's rainbow. But that's what I'm saying. That's why I appreciate a little bit more clarity on those things instead of just being like, "Here's my intellectual barf that I can fully defend and describe and point to the meaning in every single little weird nuance." But taken as a whole, as someone who is not living inside of my brain. It takes like a doctrine to understand this stuff. <laughs> a doctorate? Whatever. A doctrine. <laughs> a religion? Again. It takes a religion. <laughs> again. Well, I mean, again, by by think I think we're saying the same thing in, in different ways because what I'm trying to say is I think that they are recognizing like I had the revelation reading Antkind that like this is how writing in some ways has to happen now right like mm -hmm. this is not a new thought you know it's it's not a new thought to be like that was modernism now we're postmodern. now you know the writing styles and the thinking styles of the previous generation 
will no longer suffice. Now we need to find our own way of telling stories. Yeah. What I am saying though is before I thought that like that changing of the guard signified a step up, like however small that there was like some progress being made as we iterate and move from modernism to postmodernism or whatever. But now I think what I'm saying is that the ideas and everything keep us at the same level, even as we just change the form mm -hmm. and people get sucked into the idea that the form means that progress is happening. But it's like, no, it's not, you know what I mean? And if you're seeing any kind of, you know, connection between like old mythology and killing of sacred deer or, um, Oh brother, where art thou? Which is just retelling of the odyssey. Right. Um, sure. That, that those are, I'm again, not familiar with either. <laughs> that, that those are, are again, like updates, which is fine. That still works within my, within my, my paradigm, my understanding. I'm talking about people who are like trying to write to today. And the only way to write looking at the history of what has been written and come before is like, yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I have to write a 1900 page novel that has a bunch of just obscurity in it mm -hmm. because if, if direct ideas mattered, then we would be able to still write in that way, but find new things to write about. But instead we're still trying to get people to understand that like people who want money and power don't have the interest of people in mind. They have the interest yeah. of money and power, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that is a basic AB truth and reality. Mm -hmm. And you can still find people on the left and the right who are saying like, what we need are good billionaires. It's like, there are no good billionaires. It's yeah, the whole point. But yeah, I don't see... Uh I see that just as like a universal fact of life. Like I don't see that as like a something that can be solved. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I never saw it that way. I don't think. But at the same time, then you have people like George Saunders, right? Like he's writing about today, but he's doing it in a way that's not so smart that I can't understand it. But at the same time, it's like a little bit above the average. There you go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a little bit above the average. I, I read 10th of December. Loved it. Yeah. And I I want to read more. You you read Lincoln in, at the Bardo? No. In the Bardo? Mm -mm. I thought you... Did you start it? I started it. Is it proto-gibberish? Uh, no. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you have to have a lot of historical knowledge to know what's going on here. And I don't have any of that. Yeah. But I mean, e even without that, I could follow what was going on. But it's one of those things where it's like, if I knew who all these people were individually, like if I was familiar with them and their role in history and whatever, it would probably be a lot more impactful. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess maybe that's the that's the counterpoint is like in order to <laughs> in order to understand the runes of the people speaking today about like speaking new about ideas and concepts that matter mm. to our modern society, you need to do so much work and understanding of what's come before that the bar is right. just too high. Yeah. And so, and so like we will forever be capped at this level of like, you know, I, I still go back and it's like, how do you, how do you deal with this? So again, this idea that like, uh, a snob, whether it's a film snob or, you know, anybody who like a, a moral snob is what I'll say. Somebody mm -hmm. who feels like in any area of life or culture that they have a higher standing than somebody else on something, right? Like that's hard to avoid. And I'm going to sound like one of those right now, but I, I, I can't stress enough that I truly don't feel like I am this person. But there's something to be said that, you know, after George Floyd, the number one streaming movie on Netflix was The Help. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, where do we turn to understand the violence and the, you know, reality of our, t our present and our today? Uh -huh. We go to The Help. Yeah, but I think that's just a, the nature of progress, right? So you view that as progress? Absolutely. For the mass population to be, like, watching that, sure. Like, I think, again, it's uh, slow, right? But... <laughs> Like, I absolutely think it's progress. Like, the conversations I've had with my mom, I think, are depressing and frustrating, like, to hear her politics on stuff. She's not even, like, a Trump supporter. She hates Donald Trump. But I still consider it progress when she, like, listens to me. You know what I mean? Or that she'll even, like, entertain these ideas. You know? Like, The Help, I'm sure, is a terrible movie. I'm sure it doesn't have, like, a great, profound message to it. But the fact that it was made and that people are watching it en masse, I think, is progress. Like, it's not something that would have happened 50 years ago. Maybe that's not saying much. But, again, it's still progress. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the point. It's slow. And the the... The nature of it is that you are always going to be on the outside of it. Even if everyone came up to our level or your level, it would still be, okay, this is what's next. And the people who were satisfied with what they came up to would just be like, yeah, but look at where we're at now. This is what I want to articulate, though. Is like, I don't want, and I don't believe that there is. And I'm not arguing for complacency. I'm just saying, like... I, I, and again, I, I'm not even arguing for like levels. Like I'm not saying that I am at like a level or that people need to come up. Sure. But you acknowledge level. that you're an outsider. But, but w what I will say is the, the response to 
the issues of the day should be curiosity. Sure, I agree. And curiosity should spur like knowledge, collection, and gathering. And I am still surprised that when you, if somebody said, Keith, where should I go? I want to be more aware of what is happening today. That there are more, there, there are more examples of people who have even devoted their life to, to something that I haven't, who I can still identify as being complete morons, you know? And whether it's the New York Times opinion section or Matt Iglesias of Vox, mm-hmm. you know, all the people who are like, I'm getting canceled and that's in a, and that's bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And these are the people who are like, in any way, luminaries <laughs> in our, in our world. I'm just so profoundly depressed and I'm, I don't have any answers, but I know that the answer, you know, isn't like how, you know, Biden is, you know, you know what I think it is. What you're too online. You're too, you spend too much time on Twitter. You spend too much time on Facebook and that's where you get all the opinions from and all this. And that absolutely is depressing. Twitter sucks is not Facebook sucks, but and they're and it's not representative. It's of not how, representative of what of how people will interact with you on a face to face basis. It, you know, Twitter and Facebook is where people go to reinforce their beliefs and to argue with people. Nobody is on Twitter to listen to you. Nobody is on Facebook to listen to you. They are there to share what they think is true, and they don't care what anybody else has to say. And they use those platforms purely to try and disagree and disapprove other people. That's it. Our society in the world is not viewed only through the lens of a social media. I'm not saying that. No, I know, but but that... I'm saying that's how you're getting the majority of your view of the world. But but I do want to say... One thing that I, I think is very like wrong okay. is to reject any pessimistic view I'm of, not rejecting it of of society and reality I, and, what, and what people do, yeah, I'm trying to speak more to the frustration that I can see in you. because I agree with what you're saying for the most part, but I don't feel like it's has personally affected me as much as it has you just because you seem so frustrated by it. I'm, I'm, or maybe it's just your willingness, your unwillingness to accept it. Whereas I've accepted it. And so that's why I don't have Twitter and I don't have Facebook, right? I don't have Instagram. Those are not the sole means through which I view or interact with, with, with saying, the world. I'm not saying sole. And I'm not saying exclusive. 
And I'm saying majority contributing factor. <laughs> no. No. Especially because, now that everyone's working from home. Yeah, but I mean, like, again. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. <laughs> Swipe your nose like a credit card. <laughs> um. I feel like. Anyway, I don't agree. Okay, but we disagree with each other. I I understand on some level that I, is not explainable to either of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I understand what you're saying, and I and I I accept a a general idea like that is a general critique of social media that can broadly be applied and slathered on something and be like that's mostly true i don't think that i fall into that camp because my frustration number one i'll say this revelation came out of reading a book mm -hmm. you know this revelation didn't come out of me like endlessly scrolling through my twitter feed sure and then i also I don't tweet a lot. I'm not like on there vocalizing an opinion. I'm on there largely like receiving from other people. But again, right. no, but, but, but again, the wide swath. And I will say some of my most optimistic, hopeful aspects of my personality and mm -hmm. mind are fueled on social media. Without that, I think I would be even darker mm -hmm. in terms of my view it would be like full cormac mccarthy all the time and no variation mm -hmm. because i still go on twitter to be like look at this person who like truly believes in the in the benefit and the value of putting out thoughtful you know normy ideas about the world and culture and politics and that that will have a broad general good impact on the world. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's like, then I see all the people that they interact with and I'm like, that person's a monster. That person shouldn't have that platform mm -hmm. with them. What the hell did that person just say? Get them out of here. And it's like the good believing normie idea has in some ways perpetuated a stronger like false narrative on the world than it has on any good. Even if you talk to that person and down the line, I'd be like, yep, I believe in that. I believe in that. I believe in that. And the only way that we differ is that they have a, a, a basic optimistic outlook on humanity and where we're headed and what can change, you know, what mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the, the whole point of what we're experiencing today Again, not through social glasses, but like the protests that are still going on right now, you know, across the country, like the protests that we haven't been covering as much, but the police violence and brutality, you know, the the justice that people are still looking for uh, for Breonna Taylor and all of that, like all of that stuff that's still going on is saying those normy, normative, a Christmas Carol, 
Ebenezer Scrooge, if everybody could just view their their life in one long movie, they would have access to a revelation of drastic societal change is like a false narrative. And the reality is, you know, again, either you need to know more than we as a society need to know more than we know to, to accept the realities that will build on those or we are capped. Mm-hmm. We're just capped. We're just like, listen, dude, there's always going to be a Nero and then a Hitler and, you know, another dictator and despot. And there's always going to be the rich getting richer. And doesn't matter if you're bartering or you're using gold coins or Bitcoin, like exploitation is going to find its way into the system. People are going to be marginalized and left out. And it's like, that's the nature of things. And yeah, 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 yeah so I agree with it. that. Okay. Yeah, I, I but I think at the same time, like, to what I was trying to say earlier about my focus just being more local, like, I agree, I understand with all that, but that's why I try and just, like, I'm just going to focus on being nice, trying to be as helpful and available as I can to anybody around me, and I'm only going to, like... I'm going to do my best to like only get into these conversations and like fluster myself with people who I know will truly listen to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Who value my opinion in some way. Um, But there is a definite feeling of like we are on the decline, right? Like if you're just looking at like a, history Mm -hmm. a charted a graph Mm -hmm. history of human civilization we are on the downslope Mm -hmm. at this point right like we're heading into the and then humans were extinct for 65 million years and here's this new creature that now lives on earth (laughs) listen maybe you should chop this out maybe maybe this needs to go up front i think fundamentally all we're doing is we're just i'm i'm processing my own mortality in a way Uh and the moral obligation that I feel to, to know that I know as an objective fact that Indy's generation and my grandchild, if I have one, Mm -hmm. their generation is going to be worse off than this one. True Mm -hmm. or false? objectively speaking i don't think you can say objective because so, you don't know so subject subjectively i would agree that's the feeling i have if we if we look at just climate change right but again climate change is sort of like an unknowable science you know, it's 130 degrees in I Death Valley. It. Listen, I understand. I'm right there with you on all the doomsday climate change stuff. But at the same time, because you're dealing with like the future, you just okay. You don't know. So it's objectively, so, you just don't know. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? If you want to believe it's subjective 
and then we live our lives. And then when we die and, you know, at that point, sea levels have invaded the coastline 25 feet and displaced over a million people on the eastern seaboard who are then forced to move inland and find infrastructure that will sustain them and absorb them and jobs that will help them. I can say, you know, Indy, I, uh, I read a Christmas Carol. I, I, I got my values right. Uh-huh. And I looked at this future and I said, oh, it's not knowable. So I'll just, you know, crank up the laptop and answer the next 60 emails and, you know, play some Minecraft with you and mm-hmm. go to bed and say, the future's unknowable and I'm not yeah, an Ebenezer so, But Scrooge. I mean, what's the alternative? What's well, the alternative? That's what I'm saying. The alternative at this point is like ant kind. It's like, accept the absurdity of human history, accept the absurdity of the iteration and throw the system over. Like, uh, sure. Like the protests that are happening right now is it. Like that is it. That's all yeah. we have because the alternative is as absurd as any Thomas Pynchon novel, as any Charlie Kaufman novel, as any Charlie Kaufman movie because right now John Kasich is speaking at the Democratic convention. Yeah, I listen, I agree. I agree with that as well. But at the same time, I'm a 38-year-old father of two. What is my place in that system? I can't go out and protest with people because of your a elbow. million different reasons. My arm is broken. <laughs> my the coronavirus. My job. If I lose my job, what happens? That's what I'm saying like, again. But and I agree. But it's it's one of those things. It's like, what, what do you do? What do you do? So I'm just like, so I have to focus on what I can control and what I can reasonably affect. That's what I'm saying. And it's like we went to these stupid ass women's protests and walked around. But it's like when it comes to like real shit, real revolutionary shit, I've got no place in that. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? No, see, there's one, there's one moment where I would have agreed with you, but then I, you know, I just sat with it and I was like, that's not true. Like, if if I followed my convictions, then I would put the overthrow of the power structure in I, place how, however that looks like but i'm not talking about throwing you, a molotov when do you join in on that that's what i'm saying yeah when do you say i'm willing to risk coronavirus i'm willing to risk losing my job i'm willing to risk even being put in jail and not being able to provide for my family because i'm in jail and go and join that revolutionary movement as a provider for your family, as a father, how, mm. where, where do you, where is that? What is that tipping point? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's where everybody gets to set their marker and no one can tell you 
where to set your marker. Sure. And I'm not saying like go throw a Molotov through Best Buy's you know window, but I'm saying go throw a Molotov through the White House window. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean like listen from from whether or not you agree with the the political system, this is part of our our political growth too, right? Seeing seeing voting as a tool of protest and not voting yeah. as a viable strategy to represent your views. Mm. Whereas before it's like people died for your right to vote. How dare yeah. you not vote? And it's like, well, if I truly believe I was talking to, to a friend the other day, but I was like, if we just follow through on something that most people agree with healthcare is a human right. Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden doesn't back it. Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris kind of backs it. Yeah, she's going to run a few focus groups. She's going to see, right? You know what? And you know we've seen what half measures can do because we have Obamacare, mm -hmm. right? And if I care about that, which is does that affect people's lives? Would Medicare for all save lives? Would it save families? Would it save suicides, right? People who are, who are just going to feel beaten down by the, by the sheer bills mm -hmm. and paperwork and everything they have to face after care. Like, yes, it would help all of that. It wouldn't just help the people who are sick. It would help the people around the people who are sick. It would help the next generation of the person who is sick and lost their job and ate up all of their their you know uh, savings to try to survive this you know disease that then kills them right mm -hmm. and then what have you what have you given in your fight for survival you shouldn't be asking people to make that decision right and that is something that on both sides is like hotly contested you can't get either side, the Trump side or the Democrat side to like come out and say, yeah, oh, that is true. Right. You know what I mean? But, right. But again, that's just a, the small group of people who unfortunately have a lot of power, right? But if you look at per the percentages of the population of exactly. the United States who support Medicare for all, it's a vast majority. So, so, so but that is progress. But mm -hmm. also to that point, that is something that is unique to America, right? This healthcare as a right. So really the only issue, I shouldn't say only, but like really the issue that affects that has any like major effect on the rest of the world is climate change. So at what point do you just say, okay, America is clearly not <laughs> going to get onto this Medicare for all thing. They're clearly not interested in a like reasonable tax rate amongst the, the elite and the rest of the population. I'm going to move to a country that does support those things. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And like, obviously it's not that easy. That's what I'm saying though, right? Like, so everybody gets to set their, set their level. And 
again, what I was getting at is it's not just political involvement, right? That isn't necessarily the only option for you because there is a viable option to say, I reject the system Mm -hmm. and I will go live in X country that reflects the values more broadly that I believe in. And I will live out my life living to those principles and not give it to this country because it's mm-hmm. not worth it, right? So I'm going to find a way to relocate. Yeah. It's like it's like the these are the questions that I'm that I'm considering and thinking about. Yeah. And that I'm left to be like, you know, we're all just playing the same game and we've always played this game. That's it. Yeah. It's our happiness versus the moral, you know, the moral demands of our generation in the next one. Yes. And, uh, but I believe that it's gotten more absurd. That's the only thing that, that, that I think. Sure. But I would say that's just the nature of a society evolving. Not evolving. Uh, well, I guess maybe in a di- we mean that in different ways. Like techno- technologically, we're evolving, right? Systems are getting more complicated. That's what I mean. But in our belief structure, we're not evolving at the pace that it is evolving at. Yeah, I don't know. And I also wanted to clarify quickly that I don't think it's the politicians that hold these archaic beliefs or whatever it's the lobbyists right and it's like the people who are paying them to believe that like politicians are more or less an empty shell and they're mm-hmm. just doing whatever they get paid to do they're a movable piece yeah it's just like hey um, the most they they can say is like on a chessboard just be like hey by the way i'm a diagonal mover just don't move me forward mm-hmm. you know right. i will listen I won't betray this one cause. But I mean, listen, you can get around that, but just move me that way. For the most part, they're getting paid to do. They're doing whatever they're getting paid to do. Mm -hmm. They're not representing the beliefs of Americans because, like we pointed out, Medicare for all would be a thing because percentage-wise, a huge portion (laughs) of the population believes that Medicare for all should be a thing. Right. Um, I have a hot take. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to talk I'm about? I'm done, man. I yeah. didn't even... And listen, first one back, I don't know 40% of what I said. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. there, there's a very good chance that I now regret <laughs> a majority of what I talked about, uh-huh. and, and half of it wasn't even intelligible. Sure. So that's where I'm at. Okay. So I have, hit me. I have a hot take. We watched Jurassic Park yesterday. I heard you were going to show the girls. Jurassic Park is a bad movie. It sucks. And maybe that's not a hot take. Here's something else. I think how we watch movies from like the 40s and 50s and you watch those and you're like, why did people act this way like how did people ever think this was like a normal way to act like in a movie how it's very theatrical you know Mm -hmm. what i mean i think we in a couple in a decade or two we'll look at 90s movies and have that same thought 
because in a decade or two, 90s, I think that already about 90s movies. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, so Jurassic Park, the acting is really bad, and the movie itself is bad. I don't agree. Okay. So you think acting in 90s movies is bad, but you don't think the acting in Jurassic Park is bad? I mean, you're saying 90s movies, you got to be more specific, but what, what I'm saying is as a general rule, right, the 90s feel like the 60s. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying feel though. I'm saying very distinctly the acting in those era of movies is is like very unnatural in a way that you, that in a way that like we would think about like old timey 40s and 50s movies. You've you've made me come around on something that and Jurassic Park is bad. Is a bad having movie. having access to all the movies they have access to. Mm-hmm. I realize how mediocre most things are. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the enjoyment of things is the anticipation and building up in your mind or maybe you've really been looking forward to something and you watch and you kind of like excuse why it was good or you know you go out for a night like i remember seeing jurassic park as a kid yeah i remember going to the i remember walking out of the theater and being like absolutely that was incredible it was a life-changing movie when i was a kid Jurassic. there are really quickly here the life-changing movies that come to my mind when i think about that Mm -hmm. uh the sandlot i remember seeing that alone Mm -hmm. next to a old man stranger who's also alone <laughs> feeling very like like creeped out and weird very weird. <laughs> very weird and i still walked out of that movie being like that was incredible that's how good that movie was sandlot is still good to, to, to me jurassic park the fugitive die hard three those movies i remember walking on being like i mean life doesn't get better than this really the fugitive the fugitive <laughs> i remember watching the fugitive and being like that was a good movie for like a for like an adult movie like this is clear very clearly like a movie my mom and dad are gonna love and yeah, it was see, fine i was an old soul yeah i, guess, I, I uh, got it i was like give me die hard i agree die hard is die hard three, die hard 3 i was snuck amazing. into yeah which also made it made it amazing um yeah. anyway what were we talking about? Oh yeah, nineties movies. Jurassic Park. I mean, here here's the thing. Fine, you have a much more critical evaluation of good and bad. But at the same, but okay, but also, like again, at the time, as a kid, you're watching and you're like, oh my gosh, they can open doors now. Watching that as adult, it's like this is the stupidest shit I have ever seen. There's literally like a slow mo shot of a wrapped in of a raptor down and Our landing on and the door handle and slowly no, no, no. opening it. The like, first time. Oh my God. I remember the first time it kind of slips off and then he does it again. <laughs> like so I remember stupid. that time first time he's like, wait, I need to get my claw in there. Yeah. Like that, that's stupid. In the same way, Indiana Jones is both stupid and poorly acted, but really good. We, yeah, we'd have, I'd have to watch Indiana Jones again. I, I don't. I haven't seen all of those, and what I have seen was a really long time ago. But you know, again, the Sandlot holds up. We just watched that recently. The Goonies holds up. We just watched that recently. Jurassic Park does not hold up. The acting is bad. The like, and you know what? I'm going. You know who I'm going to chalk <laughs> it up to? Steven Spielberg. 
Steven Spielberg, not a good director, way overrated, does not have very good movies. What's your favorite Spielberg? I couldn't even tell you. <clears throat> Let me see what movies he's directed. Yeah, pull them up. Um, I'm just going to plant a flag right Ooh. now. We have our brother-in-law is moving back. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys better get ready to uh, play some board games. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Oh, yeah. That'll be great now that we have three people. That opens up so many different games. I've got... Um, I, I culled my collection and uh, just went through and kind of... I've, I've actually gotten to sleeving some of my games. That's I think right. I talked about that. So I'm I'm ready to go, man. I um, Yeah, it's going to open up more possibilities. And I'm just telling you guys... So if Bill listens to this, get ready, boys. Yeah. Because I'm going to be the one who's like, hey, guys. Okay. Duel. Okay. Really quick. Let's run through this. Duel. That is great, especially for a first Great. Movie. Great. All right. Jaws. Awesome. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm, I'm lukewarm on that one. Okay. I haven't seen it. I'd have to. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'd mm-hmm. have to see it again. Uh, nineteen forty-one. Never seen it. Thumbs down. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I haven't seen it in a long time. If I have seen it, I've seen it recently, and I will say what I said before. Sure, it's poorly acted. And, okay, and uh, has elements. It's great. It's great. I would say that. Jurassic Park not only is poorly acted, it's poorly directed. There are some amazing moments with the dinosaurs. There are some really good moments, but pretty much everything that is not a huge dinosaur moment is really bad and really cheesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, E.T. Haven't seen it. <laughs> Temple of Doom. E.T.'s great. Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom sucks. Okay. Color purple. I don't like it. Never seen it. Empire of the Sun. Never seen it. Mm. Last Crusade. Never. I don't love know. it. Hook. Not good. It's good. No, it's not. Jurassic Park. Not good. good. Schindler's List. Uh, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> the Lost World. Not good. I'm still on Schindler's List. <laughs> I haven't seen um, it. <laughs> but. Uh, Schindler's like listen I guess that let me just say this when you say bad director there there are like Schindler's list is amazingly directed you know okay. what I mean so anyway um what was the one after Schindler's list lost world is bad straight up bad that's bad okay Amistad haven't seen it now that's that's snooze fest saving private ryan Wet ass P word. Love it. I love it. Saving Private Ryan gives me wet a... ass P word. <laughs> <laughs> Saving Private Ryan is good, although I will say if it is the originator of the um Oh, it's not, because a League of the Ar- their own is way before Saving Private yeah, yeah. Ryan. 
But that whole thing where it's like, hey, here's the old people version of the movie you're about to watch. And then you watch the movie. It's like, all right, now here's the old people again. But it's the different old person. Yeah. Get rid of that. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Uh, AI. Terrible. No. I know you like it. It's terrible. Minority Report. It's good. I haven't seen it. I liked it when I saw it. It's good. I haven't seen it in 18 years. It's good. Catch me if you can. Great. Okay. Wait, you're you're. I haven't seen it. Like ever? I don't think so. Oh, well, there it is. The Terminal. Boring. Mm. War of the Worlds. I watched that the other day. Is it hold up? Except for the sun. Yes. Yeah. There's the moment. There's right. The sun should have died. Should have been left dead. I agree. I liked it when I saw it. Munich. Hongshu. Boring. Great. No. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull are <laughs> our infamous movie bet <laughs> that I was right about that because you, it's terrible. Well, you, you let me out of that. I lost. What would what, what I had to do? You had to. Popsicle or something? No. You had to say that Steven Spielberg was a bad director. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adventures of Tintin. Great, I haven't seen it. Great. Not good. Show that to your kids. I haven't not, seen not it. Trolls. I know it's not good. Yes, it is good, and it's better than trolls. And and ninety percent right. of what now, you show your here's films. where we really, here's where we really get to the true Spielberg. Mm-hmm. War Horse, Hong Shu, War Lincoln, Horse, Hong Shu, Bridge of Spies, Hong Shu, boring. War Horse is awful, like. Truly and profoundly awful. Lincoln is Born. great. No. And Great of Spies is good. BFG? Yeah, didn't watch it. The Post? Didn't watch post it. Post is okay. Ready Player One? Hated. Is that it? What's he working on? West Side Story. No thanks. <laughs> you know I have no thanks for uh the new Lynn Moran Lynn Man Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Into the Heights or something. Oh, what is that? It's it's apparently like his first musical that he made and now he's making a movie out of it. Oof. Yikes. Talk about the help. You should bring in uh, 645. Oh, 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 I'm talking to my I know about you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I said, I said I wanted to keep it short. Yeah. Where are we at? An hour and 15 minutes. Oh, we did it. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Average podcast length. <laughs> Average. Uh, how much are you going to edit out? None. It goes up just as it is now. I'm good. I do no editing. I'm going to regret so much. I already do.